755 is real with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty. Hey, welcome back to 755 is real. I'm David O'Brien, Braves writer for The Athletic. With my co-host, Eric O'Flaherty, former Braves reliever. What's up, Eric? How you doing, man? These are the days I'm glad I'm not playing. I couldn't sleep last night. I fell asleep like 3 a.m., you know, 7 a.m., wake-up call. That would happen during the season on day games and just destroy uh-huh. me. So, yeah, you it's nice it's Nice not to have a game today. And you don't have the choice of kind of just delaying everything an hour or two when you're nope. when you got to play a day game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Man, a lot of lots to talk about. Jesus, this this roller coaster of a season, it's amazing how things have changed from, you know, 4 days ago to now and then before that, from 4 days before that, to, you know, what happened down in Dunedin. I, I they literally have gone from straight arrow up to straight arrow down to straight arrow up again in a span of a week, you know? So We'll get to that in a second. First of all, let's pay, let's pay some bills here. We got Cam, the producer, sit to stand by to get us started with with our with our uh, sponsor, our title sponsor, if you will. What do you got, Cam? Yeah, seven fifty five is rules presented by Tops. Make sure to check out Tops Project seventy. They're celebrating seventy years of Tops baseball cards. Wow, that's it, huh? Now we'll get some some more ads later for tops. those who aren't subscribers to the Athletic. That was quick. <laughs> get your tops, man. And hey, remember if you and remember if you're a subscriber, Not you get you to listen to this podcast ad free. <laughs> so there's another enticement. Yeah, you know, for those who are watching on the live stream right now, if you haven't actually subscribed to the live stream, make sure to check out 755 is real on YouTube. We'll be live streamed twice weekly. But if you're not a subscriber, go to theathletic.com forward slash 755 is real. We have a great deal running right now, $3.99 a month. You get to read all of David's great work. I think he just released a piece on Freddie, who's been slumping lately, Drew Smiley, how he was able to guide the Braves with that nice start he had against the Nationals. And then Oscar, you know, uh, with his great outing, too, with the Grand Slam. So make sure to check that out. And if you're not a subscriber to The Athletic and don't want the ads, best way to do it is subscribe. And you get all the content we have from everybody, literally hundreds of writers covering every major college sport and every professional sport uh, of the major sports leagues in North America, as well as the Premier Soccer League in England, if you're into that, man. Tons of everything. All right, let's get to this. Dude, before we get to the Braves' uh, very encouraging sweep of the Nats. They're five and one against the Nats this year, by the way. Uh, let's 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 address Albert Pujols because this is a man who warrants our uh, discussion. I would say I can't uh, for people who may have just gotten into baseball in the last five to ten years. They might not, and and the fact he's played for the Angels on the West Coast and they don't get the pub, even that West Coast team like the Dodgers get. They might, t- despite having Mike Trout on the team. They might not be aware of just how great Albert Pujols was during the first half of his career, the first 11 seasons with the St. Louis Cardinals, when he was, uh, you know, he was the only hitter comparable to him was Barry Bonds. And we know about Barry Bonds. So Albert Pujols, man, how much respect and how, where do you hold Albert Pujols on your pantheon of hitters? That's what makes it so hard is that you watch a guy. I mean, he's been at 60% the last, he hasn't been the guy that you know and you identify with. If you didn't watch him in his prime, you have no clue how great he was. And it's been, I mean, it's been a solid eight, nine years since he was, he was the guy, but 
I mean, if you look up and down the back of his baseball card, the first half's full of a thousand OPS seasons, one after another, you know, 40 homers, MVPs, you know, it's, that's, that's one of the hardest things about baseball is you see these guys that you got these long contracts and that's the impression you're leaving for a lot of people and, and people forget quick, but yeah, he was, he was the last guy in the league you wanted to face for 10 years. Yeah, I mean, all people think about is that huge contract he got with the Angels foolishly gave him when he went over there. The Cardinals knew that, you know, there was no way they were going to pay him that stake because they knew he was going to be starting on the downside because yeah. um, he, I think the stat was 10 years of, with the Cardinals, 10 years of hitting 300 with 30 homers for those that do the old school numbers. You know, which is just unheard of. And then the OPS, everything. He did everything. He hit for power. He hit for average. He got on base. He drew walks. This guy was a hitting machine, which was why his nickname was the machine. I mean, he was phenomenal. I saw him play a lot when the Braves played the Cardinals, when the Marlins played the Cardinals. Um, He was a tremendous, tremendous player. My hope is that he goes back to uh, that he somehow. I know he's got this contract as personal services with the Angels, but that's not going to stop him from going to play somewhere else. You know, now that they're they designated him for assignment, so I'm sure he's going to play somewhere else to finish out the year. Somebody's going to want him because he comes for free. You know, because the Angels are paying him. I would hope that there's some way he can end up going back for a day, whether it's this year or even next yeah. year. If the Angels would work out something with the uh, Cardinals to let him go back for a day and have an Albert Pujols appreciation day, where I mean, uh, preferably where he's in uniform for a day, but for him to get the ovation, which would yeah. bring the house down at Bush Stadium, because he was he was a god there, man. He was revered, and those fans there fully appreciate their gods. Oh yeah, they'll go crazy for him. I think it's just for him. You know, I saw yesterday he wants to start. And yeah, that's yeah. going to make it complicated. You know, if yeah, he's a pride, DH, he's got a lot of pride, man. Yeah. He's and got a, yeah. That's the hardest thing, man, is, is when, you know, when you, when you start losing it and it's just not there anymore and, and he's going to identify as Albert Pujols and he should, you know, but you get to a point where you have to make this decision of, you know, for me, it was either going to AAA or taking it to the house. Cause I wasn't going to be a hall of famer like him. You know, it was a lot lower tier, yeah. but you kind of have to take this ego hit and really look yourself in the mirror and be like, I'm not the player I was. Do I want to stay in the game? And can I swallow my pride? And and for him, you know, he could deliver off the bench or, or have a certain role or, or, you know, be with a team maybe that's, that's not trying to contend or there's an injury or something, but for him to start right now, it's, it's going to be hard. You know I mean? If when the team that's paying you, however many million, still releases you and eats that money. It's, yeah. it's, it's a pretty strong signal that you're not the guy you used to be anymore. But um, I think every player hits that point where you just have to look hard in the mirror and it hurts, man. I mean, it's, <laughs> I, I, I don't think it's, you know, everybody wants to say you ate however many millions, you should just be happy, but however much money you got in the bank, when you got to look yourself in the mirror and realize you're getting old and you don't have it anymore, you know I mean? It hurts. Yeah. And he, that's where he's at now. Yeah. And it's it's harsh reality. And I know he wants you say he wants to start, and I, understandable. But if uh, if you know three three or four teams call on him and say, and he talks to them, and every one of them says, "Well, we can't guarantee you're going to start." I mean, that's a 
then he's going to have to accept the next best situation because if he wants to play. If he wants to play. And I think that's what it'll come down to because I think he'll want to add some home runs and want to, he doesn't want to go out like this and not play at all. He wants to show that he can still do it at least for the rest of this year and then go out. Um, You know, the obvious, the obvious uh, place for him to land because of the connection is with Tony La Russa with the White Sox. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't know if they can make it work, but if they can, you know, you know, La Russa is telling his owner, let's make this work as GM. So that's the obvious uh, landing point for. Well, they've had know, some injuries lately too. They have. That's why I could see it. Make they're not paying him. You know, the car, the Angels are paying him. Larusa's got that connection to him. That's so tight. So I could see that happening. I, I could see that in, in him at least being a situational DH. You know, good matchups, that kind of thing. So, but anyway, the important thing is just that, that people understand how great he was because. Mm. I don't care what you've seen him being, you know, he looks his age now. He hit for some of those years. He was, he was a little overweight with the angels and couldn't really do anything except swing the bat. Um, but he, uh, God, what a hitter, what a hitter. I, anytime I think of him, I think of that ball he hit off of Brad Lidge. Yeah. Yeah. Because playoffs. Yep. Yeah. In Houston off the train tracks. That was a three home run game, right? Yep. I mean, it was a, I can't remember what the situation was. I just remember the highlight. And I remember Brad Lidge that year was throwing a slider that he was basically telling him it was coming. You know, he was probably throwing 80% sliders and hitters knew it was coming swing over the top of it every time, you know, they they just couldn't track it. And then he threw one down the zone to Pujols and he hit it 500 feet. And it was just shocking, you know, because it was shocking for Lidge too. Cause it was like, he just had this button he could push and nobody could touch it. Yeah. And then Pujols just, I mean, I, I I always think of that. That's like the highlight I think of where I'm like, dude, this dude's on another level. If he can do that to a pitch, nobody else can hit. Yeah, he hit it off the tracks up there. It was yeah, it's still going up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, three homer. He had a three homer World Series game. There's only been like three guys do it, including uh, Pablo Sandoval. Pablo's got some, some tricks up his sleeve. <laughs> Pablo's got some – he's done some things, man. Yeah. Look up his card, man, see what he's done. But that's but that's, uh, that's kind of what I'm talking about is that's the hardest thing is, you know, you leave this impression with people yeah. of this just ghost of your former self. You know, I mean, yeah. it's hard to – it's really hard to go to the park like that every day. And I know it's not as easy for a guy like Pujols as it would be for Sandoval. But Pablo Sandoval, perfect example of a guy who understands I'm not the guy I was. This is my role now. And he's thriving in it, you know? Yeah. My well, role is the, now is to pinch hit, and I might not even play for a couple of days. Yeah, and I think the less status you have and the, the less you've accomplished, the easier that transition is. Oh, yeah. Because it's even less shocking for people to see you doing it when you haven't had this amazing career. But when you're pretty much everybody agrees you're a first ballot Hall of Famer, right. and all of a sudden you're sitting on the bench or looking for a job, you know, I mean, yeah. That's, yeah. that's a tough ego hit that, that a lot of guys aren't aren't willing to deal with. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're in the 600 home run club. It's a little different coming off the bench. Pablo Sandoval had a hell of a career. He's a god in San Francisco. Yeah. You know, three yeah. World Series, one World Series MVP. But career-wise, you know, he can't hold a candle to pop, to, to. Right. But, I mean, you, just to, to imagine Sheen, Albert Pujols, Pujols getting 
designated for assignment. You know, I mean, it's just something. It's like that, it's like for for Brace fans to put it into context. It had been like Chipper Jones being designated yeah. for assignment and looking for a job to finish his career. Same yeah. thing, same yeah. thing, only the, more home runs. You know. But same thing, though. First ballot, almost unanimous Hall of Famer. Really close to if Chipper, in his last year, had been DFA'd. Yeah. Which would have never N- Under any circumstance. No way. I don't care what had happened to the yeah. Braves that year or what had happened. He would not have been DFA'd. Chipper could have batted zero for the whole season, and he was going to be our third baseman. Yeah. You know? I mean, that, that, that would have never happened because it's Chipper, but that's the one thing about going to a new team is there's been a negative feel. Right about him right. the entire time he's been with the angels because everybody's of the contract yeah the contract make if he had signed if one year deal every year for three right. million they'd be like man we just keep stealing this guy but when you got that right. big contract on you there's kind of a negative narrative like there's just it it follows it but if he would have you know if like he would have stayed in st yankees. louis this wouldn't happen right like jeter with the yankees it would have never happened you know yeah even with the yankees who can be cutthroat would have never happened you're right the having Having spent the decade with the Cardinals, his great decade, his Hall of Fame decade with the Cardinals, uh, and then and then the second half of his career with the Angels made it made this doable. It was still shocking. It was still surprising was still to shocking. everybody that it would happen in May. You yeah. know, maybe in September during a playoff drive, you'd say we just got to we we can't use that roster spot for Albert the rest of the way. But for it to happen in May, when you're saying okay, if you've decided that. He can't help you, and then he's wasting a roster. Why didn't you do it in the offseason? Yeah. What could he have done in April that changed your perception of who he was when you saw what he did last year, when you saw what he did in spring training? You had all offseason to do this. My, that's my only thing. I mean, maybe Otani hitting, you know, Otani hitting the way he has. Maybe. And, and, and then, wanting to get him DH at bats. That could have changed. Real, maybe realized. they didn't know he was able yeah. to do what he's going to do. That's possible. Yeah, that's possible. But yeah, you know, Perry Manashi and I, I got I gotta think it was made I don't know. I don't know if Perry would have had the uh, Perry's ballsy dude, but I don't know in his first year's GM if he's gonna go in and be the guy to say, We gotta get rid of this guy. Or Before the season. <laughs> yeah, well that would have really been <laughs> for his first <laughs> move. Yeah, what of the fans would have said, yeah. And now it's my presence <laughs> with authority pool yeah, is gone. That would have yeah. done it. That would have said who's in control of the team. Yeah. Yeah, so maybe that's why the delay. You know, maybe he didn't want to do that before they ever played a game. I'm guessing, though, that they still had a conversation with him, you know. And, with Albert? Yeah and, yeah, and I'm guessing this was kind of his choice because they, they probably first floated it as, you know, we're going to get you at bats when we can, but, you're right. not, you know, we're trying to win. you got to think they did, man. And he, I got to hope they did. Yeah, he probably elected to just be like, you know, just cut me loose. Let me try to find somewhere to start because I don't want to be a bench guy. And knowing Perry, there's no way they didn't. Perry would not do that to a guy. Perry would say, even if they told Perry they're going to dump this guy, which I don't think he would have have accepted that either. Perry wouldn't have let the ownership tell him to to release the guy. He would have had to. uh, But but there's no way that Perry would not have told Albert this was coming to what we're doing. Perry's just too much of a player's guy and respects players too much to have not not had this meeting with him. Yeah. And I think that'll come out. Albert doesn't say much, which I've always respected about him too. He's not a guy that ever pumped himself up, ever talked about himself. Modest guy, you know. Uh, so he doesn't say much. So I don't know if it'll come out right away what what they told him, but I'm sure they'll ask him that at the first place he goes after this. I, yeah. I don't. He has. I don't know that he had an exit press conference, which is kind of awkward too, you know. But what do you do? You pack know? your bags and walk out, man. It hurts when you. Wow. When you, yeah, that's tough. 
But uh, so that was the big news yesterday, and it happened on Willie Mays' 90th birthday. Some kind of stole some of the thunder from that. God bless Willie Mays, man. I wish uh, I wish Hank could have made it to 90. Jeez. Yeah. Willie's the oldest, I think, living Hall of Famer. I think he is. Uh, he's certainly the the greatest living player, you know, with Hank yeah. with Hank gone. Eric, let's hear from today's sponsors. So there was a lot going on yesterday in in baseball, and obviously from the Braves' perspective, to steer this thing back to the Braves, it was a big day because. You know, it's a big it was a big three game series in DC because this they did exactly what they needed to do coming off of that really bad three day series at uh at Dunedin, Florida, in that minor league ballpark against uh, you know, with some injuries. They lost they had some big injuries, losing Travis Darno. Heads are heads are hanging. They're wondering how they're gonna get past this. You know, can we can, what can we count on from Contreras? Uh you know, is Drew Smiley ever going to be any good this year? They're wondering all these things when they leave Dunedin and they go to play the Nationals, who are yep. in first place when the Braves arrived. The, the Nats were in first place. The Braves are in fourth. So look at them today, three games later. How much things can change in a 162-game season just in a three-day span? A, you see Contreras is actually up for this. He's going to yeah. be fine. I think yeah. what you got – what you saw there is really comforting what you've seen from Contreras. I know it's only three or four games to judge him on, but I think he's showed that he can handle the staff. There've been a couple of really good performances with him catching. He's got a great arm, really athletic behind the, behind the plate that stands out. And there is no question about his bat. This guy's ready to hit at the major league level. Yeah. That's a big, a big concern out of the way on whether he's ready or not. Yeah. And I mean, you know, it's, his brother started out the same way where it was all questions about his defense and the hitters are so good at the major league level that, that you're going to learn your mistakes a lot faster and a lot harder. Um, but it's not always a bad thing. And I, I also thought Smiley throwing to Mathis and doing really well, you know, we yeah. kind of talked yes. about that, just mixing up your catchers. Um, I thought that was a big thing too, because somebody had to get him right. Yeah. And it's you can't give all the credit to the catcher. You know, maybe Smiley made some adjustments, but when it's a whether it's coincidence or not, I'm sticking with that with that tandem at, next time going forward. No doubt. No doubt. Um just like you had Alex Jackson handling uh you know handling Enoa really well before Alex Jackson got hurt. That was also comforting to see Enoa do the same thing or better with another catcher, you know, with Contreras. Uh we'll the get Grand to Slam him. wasn't comforting. We'll get to him in a bit. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, Mathis yesterday, I thought, God, Mathis, 38 years old behind the plate, dude. He had some blocks that you're like, Jesus, how's he still doing yeah. that? I mean, he yeah. looks it look, he makes catching look easy, doesn't he? Yep. And then he wasn't afraid to call sliders with yeah. runners on third. You know, I mean, yeah. there, there's a lot that you might not notice about him and just look at his batting average. But he, right. he made a big difference for me yesterday. Yeah, I thought uh, I didn't see Smiley. I don't think Smiley shook him off all day. No. I mean, and, and Smiley said it was great having him back there. I didn't, I had forgotten that those two were together with the Rangers in 2019. And I think oh, I that comfort, that yeah, that comfort factor, I think, made a big difference. Yes. Uh, Smiley said he called him the captain back there in uh, Texas, and that really caught on. And, and, uh, and, and he doesn't like that nickname. You know, he said, I, I don't know if I'm comfortable with that, but that's what he, you know, that's what Smiley said. That's what he's like. You know, he's caught so long. And he's like the captain back there with any, he makes, yeah. said he makes every pitcher feel so comfortable. 
It's hard being the captain when you're hitting 205. Yeah. You know, like you don't want that spot. You're a on. backup catcher. You know, yeah. you're not even the primary guy. That's just him being humble. Right. But man, for a for a for a pitcher like Smiley, that was almost like a godsend. I mean, he yeah. everybody hates that Travis got hurt, obviously. You you hate what you know going on forward without him. But but if he's gonna have to go into a start where he's had you know he hadn't had a good start this year. He had a decent one his first start, but he had three really bad ones in the interim. And you're kind of lost. And you got an eight ERA. If you've got to be in that situation, what a guy to be able to handle you to coming into it. You know, to your next start. Well, that that it's it shouldn't be this way. But when you throw them bad to a catcher, you see them back there again. Yeah, it's just it's just one more thing that you're associating negatively with and just mixing it up you know it can be any other catcher um just mixing it up is at least a fresh start because you you at least didn't get shelled thrown to this guy last time um but i didn't know that i didn't know that he'd already thrown to him in the past and knew him like that but that kind of makes sense too yeah man uh this guy's been around dude he you he's got he's got 16 17 seasons catching in the big leagues i mean mathis has been around i think he's gonna be a great mentor for Yeah, for Contreras, and also yesterday another thing that happened. Tyler Flowers who talked about. I reported a month ago that he was with the Braves as a, you know, that he was helping, uh, that he was helping to uh, uh, game plan, bringing the analytics, kind of molding the uh, melding the analytics into the game plan. That that yeah. from coming from that aspect of it. So he was working with the young catchers as well, and the Braves had him there as an option in case there were injuries. They're looking really astute right now because yesterday Tyler signed a minor league deal. Now he's going to get finished off. He stayed in shape. He's been catching bullpens, but he's going to get in game shape now with hitting and everything. And he'll be on the taxi squad and AAA Gwinnett for the time being. But he's ready to step in as backup catcher if and when he's needed. I mean, obviously, they're going to see how Mathis does in this role. If Mathis keeps doing like he did yesterday, there won't be any need for Tyler. But it's nice to have that option because we've seen how fast it can change the catching situation. What a great setup for him too, you know, rather than, you know, if he's looking at, he's made some good money in his career. If he's looking at maybe a million dollars to play everywhere and having to drag his family around or just tell the Braves, you know, I'll just be on standby. Yeah. I mean, that you know, injuries, I'd love to just tell the Mariners, like, I'll keep my arm in shape. If you guys need a lefty to throw some sliders, yeah, <laughs> you know, exactly. just hit me up. And yeah. that's basically what he did. And, and it kind of fell into his lap. Especially when you got four little kids. Yeah. And you live in suburban Atlanta. Yeah. 10 minutes from the ballpark. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. So he's right between, I mean, he's not far from Gwinnett's ballpark either. Yeah. So, and now he'll be on the taxi squad. So the Braves have another injury on the road. They're going to be covered. You're not going to have to stick a guy in. I give credit to Alex Anthopoulos because those are such crucial uh, positions. You hate to stick a guy into the catching slot who's never played in the big leagues. You really aren't sure if he's ready. Or some has been that never played in the big leagues, you know, and you're you're hoping that he's got, you know, he can get by on guile. In this case, you know what you're getting, you know, if it's Tyler Flowers or if it's Jeff Mathis, like we saw yesterday, and and Jeff Mathis brings something to the table where he can't, you know, he's not a hitter, he never was, but he brings something to the table for a young team with a young pitching staff and a young cat, head catcher. He's the perfect guy to have in this spot, really. Yeah, and you know, I. I think about that all the time that it's one thing that bothers me about the catching position and war and all these advanced stats is there's just no way to measure the impact they have right. back there. But if you think about it, they're involved in more plays than anybody else in the game. 
Right. You know, they call every pitch for nine innings and they make all these important decisions. And, you know, I mean, there's some stats like catcher's ERA and stuff, but you can have a reliever come in that just sucks and gets DFA'd the next day and gives up a five spot. And that's on your catcher's ERA. But there's no way to really measure their their value back there. But if you talk to guys, you know, if you talk to anybody about David Ross or if you watch like if you watch the 2013 World Series, Rossi wasn't really hitting. But they kept throwing salt to Lamakia out there, kept throwing him out there. And we were watching at home, watching the the, I was watching the games that were being pitched. And I was like, I didn't like this call. I didn't like that call. They need to get Rossi in there. Yeah. Pretty soon when the games mattered and and you throw all the analytics out the window and we just got to win today. Who do I feel Uh good about going back there? The Red Sox went with Rossi more and more and more during that run. And they wind up winning the World Series. And he's there. He wound up being their catcher, you know, over over South Lamakia, who had the better bat. And, you know, I see those things and and having pitched to guys, I know what a difference it makes. But it's it's hard to put it into numbers or really value it numbers wise. God, yeah, man. And especially in big in a playoff situation and all that. I mean, guys that have been through it, guys that aren't going to be nervous, guys that know. That some of the young pitchers were talking about Mathis, how he helps them so much because he's seen everything. He's seen yeah. so many of the hitters, and he's seen so many hitters that if he doesn't know this specific hitter, he knows a hitter who's like him. Yeah. So he knows what hitters are going to do or trying to yeah. do or can expect to do. So he's so much more able to guide a young pitcher with confidence, put yeah. down the right sign. There's somebody who just hasn't been there enough to really – have a good feel for what a hitter's going to do. This type of hitter, you know, this Deadpool hitter, or this aggressive hitter, or this hitter that's trying to work a walk, he could spot that stuff and help a guy get through it. And, uh, yeah, it's just invaluable, man. It, it affects move. your aggressiveness a lot too. You know, if if you're question, if you got a young catcher and you feel like he's just kind of guessing back there, yeah, and and he throws down a pitch that you're unsure about, you're either going to shake or throw it kind of tentatively. But when it's a guy with that kind of uh, history and and you and you respect him so much, you think they know something you don't. You know, yeah. you're like a fastball in, man. I don't know, but yeah. that's David Ross back there. That's that's Jeff right. Mathis. These guys have seen it all. You know, he's got something. He's not guessing. He's not just throwing this out there because he's blanked right now. I mean, I don't know how many times I threw to, to young catchers guys that would get called up from AAA and they don't know your stuff and they're filling in in a big jam and you just see them put the finger down kind of yeah, like tentatively. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, the, and they're kind of asking yeah. you, is this what you like? Yeah. They're fishing. I'm like, man, I don't know. I'm just kind of brain dead out here. I'm just riding. Cause when, my whole time in Atlanta with, with Ross and, and McCann, it was like, I didn't shake once. And so now the catcher's asking me, what do you want to throw at him? And it's almost like I had it so easy. I don't know how to think through this. Yeah. So then you got a guy guessing and, if he's guessing, I don't know if it's the right pitch. So then yeah. you're tentative with it and you kind of yank it or push it or throw it right down the middle and get hit. But that's so much of pitching is just throwing the pitch with conviction that the having an experienced catcher back there just kind of, it just gives you immediate confidence in everything you do. Yeah. And you know, Mattis is in that rare spot too, that because he never, I mean, he was a backup for so long that he didn't beat his body to hell. Like a yeah. guy like Brian McCann would have, you know, if Brian McCann wanted to, I'm sure he could come back and do that job for five more years, you know, with all the wisdom that he had and ability yeah. to got it. But he got beat up, man. It was yeah. hard for him to get behind a plate and squat and do all that. And plus he made some money, you know, he made yeah. enough money and it's, that it's not really worth it for him to go back there and do that. But uh, he could bring that to a coaching position if he wanted to. But a guy like Mathis who didn't play every day, 
He's in that rare position of being able to, he's got all the wisdom gained from all those years, yep. but he's still able to get behind there. And like I said, yesterday, I mean, he looked, he looked like a guy 15 years younger, moving and, yeah. and, and effortlessly blocking. God, yeah. the way he could drop the mitt down and get a ball yeah. in the dirt and make it look like it wasn't that big a deal where some catchers are scrambling to get over there and get it blocked. And you're like, you know, with him, he's yeah. just smooth. Boom. You know, he's, uh, yeah. he was impressive. That was fun yeah. to watch a guy like that behind the dish. Yeah, Will Smith had, you know, runner on third, one out with the game on the line. He kept yep. calling sliders. He wasn't afraid of it at all because yeah. he knew it was a pitch. I mean, I really liked what I saw. Two guys were great for him to be catching with. With Smiley with that curveball that in the yep. dirt, and, and Will put so many sliders, you know, in the dirt. Mm-hmm. you got to have a guy back there you can trust that, yeah. can, that can block balls. Yeah, and he's got to trust himself to call yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. And Will Smith looked good yesterday. Yep. He gives up a leadoff double. The whole they got some really good bullpen performances yesterday in some in some no margin for error situations. Luke, yep. Luke, who's who's pitching in a spot he probably should not be in, but in this bullpen he has to, because if you rest like one guy, you have so yep. few. That's the thing, is Snit just doesn't have the ability. Last year people people howl about the moves he's making in the bullpen now. He's making them because he doesn't have any choices. Last year he had Eight guys that he could feel confident, you know, in the last three or four innings of a game. Yeah. This year, he's only got a handful. And if you're resting one or two of them, and 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 when you're watching the game at home, you don't know that there's one or two guys that are not available. But yeah. there usually are. Yeah. That's why he's got Luke Jackson in there facing a left-hander. And you're like, what is he doing in there? You know, why is he facing, you know, why is Juan Soto's up? And, you you know, but uh, I, Luke got made some big pitches. Grant Dayton, two huge strikeouts with the yeah. game on the line. Yeah, he got benefit of a call well, that was low, but they've had some calls like that go against them too, you know. Yeah. And a lot of pitching pitchers aren't getting calls, so huge strikeouts there. And then, and then, of course, Will Smith gives up a leadoff double. Guy goes to third. There is no margin for error. A pass ball brings in the with the the tying run. Uh, sacrifice fly, a, a little bloop, a little flare. So those were all big, man, performances, I thought, from a really thin bullpen. Yeah, and the, the defense yesterday was good, too. Oh. And I think that helps Smiley a lot. Riley made a diving play. Adrian Pache. Play. Pache was everywhere. Um, it, you know, that, that's another thing that, that gets overlooked because if one of those balls falls in and yeah. they spin it and, and it turns into a big inning, all of a sudden Smiley's in that here-we-go-again mindset and he's yeah. answering questions and doing all that. Um, I, I don't, we don't talk about the defense enough, but it's been pretty good. And Smiley said as much, too. They said, we uh, we were asking him afterwards, uh, what was the difference between this start and your previous starts where you gave up you know nine home runs in 19 innings? And he said, so what was, what was the difference other than the ball not going out of the ballpark? Yeah, and he said, that was and he, was, he was candid and he went, honestly, that was the difference. You know, in other <laughs> words, I didn't do anything magical. No, just got lucky uh, to some degree. You know, sometimes the ball leaves the park and other times, you know, they miss by a little bit. Or there was a, there was a ball yesterday that went off the wall that if it's what that yesterday, that if it's a foot over, it's a home run where the wall goes yeah. up yeah. and Pache played it, it went right to him. Yep. You know, that could have been a home run nine times out of ten. So Yeah, and when when you're struggling like he has, it only takes that that one play to kind of set you back into spiraling yeah. downhill. That's that's why those defensive plays are so big for me, because if they are not made, you don't know what would have happened. And he needed 
all of it, you know, to put together this first outing and, and try to build some momentum going forward. Yeah, if, that, if this play or that play is not made, then the next guy follows with a, a ball that goes out instead of hitting the wall. Then all of a sudden it's a two-run homer and the whole thing, yeah. the whole story is different. And you're going, oh, yeah. God, here, here we go again. Yeah, and, you know, it, it shouldn't it shouldn't be that way as a player, but you can feel that energy, man. You can feel that doubt. You can feel it all building, and, and you need it not to happen. Yeah. I mean, it, it shouldn't be there, but it, it's crazy how aware of all that you are as a player. When you're struggling to the degree he was – yeah, and and a, and a, with a new team and a fairly big one year contract. Yeah, and you're the weak link in a, in a rotation that's got all these young studs and got Charlie Morton. You know, yeah, I could see where you'd feel that. Yeah, that's a hell of a lot of pressure, man. It's a lot of pressure. And I don't care if people can go. Yeah, he's making eleven million dollars. I'd take it. Well, you can't say you'd take it because you have no idea what that pressure's like. We no. all got pressures, but they're different kind of pressures. They're not played out in public. Yeah. You know, on national TV. And that was a yeah. that was a YouTube game, actually international TV. So, you know. It, I was trying got, to think how many people you're letting down when you blow a major league oh, baseball man. game. You know, how oh. many how many are actively watching and tune into a random game or checking the box score? You know, I mean it, it, Yeah. I was trying to come up with that number. I have no clue what it is, but God you know, forbid if you're if you're a if you're a, if you allow yourself to think like that. How many people am I letting down? And then you really start to get kind of micro with it and think about think about all the Brace fans because they're one of those teams that's got an international audience yeah. thanks to the 70s and 80s and the uh, Superstation and all that. They still got a million fans that are big that are holdovers from that era or who taught their kids to like the Brace because of that. Then TBS. you got Then they're the fact that they are one of the regional teams like the Rockies, like the Royals, you know, like the uh, 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 like the Twins that have a huge regional audience because there's not other teams around. So you got the whole Southeast, man, is Braves country. Oh, the whole country. You know, we always traveled well. But even oh, yeah. anybody yeah. I grew up with, anybody from my era, if they weren't a fan of their local team, they were a fan of the Braves, especially on the West Coast because you got home from school and the yeah. Braves were playing on TBS. And, and it's it's an I talk to people. I'm like, you know, I'll be in Sacramento sure. <laughs> talking to a random dude and he's got a Braves hat on. North Why are you a Braves fan? And they, and they grew up watching them on TBS and just stuck with the team. And they got Turner South and uh, up in Canada because I remember staying yeah. in Montreal many times where that was on the cable network at the hotel. Yeah. You could watch Braves games there. So, I mean, they were literally international. So if you're, if you're a player and you started thinking about the people you're letting down, <laughs> so, yeah. if, you, if you're aware of that, that history, and then you're thinking, okay, and then if you are from this area, you realize like across Appalachia and across the South, how many people are listening <laughs> on the radio, mowing their lawn? How many people are watching? Because they sit down to watch the Braves every night. A lot of them with their kids watch the Braves. How many people you're letting down? Oh, my God. I can't yeah. even imagine. Well, and that's, that's the thing, you know, about you can't let those thoughts creep in, but it right. only takes one incidence. That's why it's so hard to play in those bigger media markets, because there's going to be one dude. You know, I mean, if you're in an easy one, you might not. The way people treat you is when you start spiraling down that that path yeah. and realizing it and being more conscious of it. But in those big media markets, if like Lindor right now, you can't tell me this yeah. is happening if he's still in Cleveland. Yeah, because he's Agreed. done so much there. He doesn't have this energy. But when you have that and you you have that one rider come and be like, yeah, you know, with a smirk on his face and you can just tell he enjoys your struggles. 
You know, I mean, it's those things that that's what's so hard about being a pro athlete is that anything can take you down that path and you got to be tough and find a way out of there. And that goes back to what you said about social media, man, as a player, this is so much different now because back in the day, you could have just not read your your mail, your fan mail, the stack of mail. That's it. When you're struggling, I'm not reading that shit right now. People telling me to to fuck off and hope you die and all that. I'm just not going (laughs) to read it. Yeah. But if you dare get on social media, like Fulty did when he was here, it's like, Fulty, yeah. why are you getting on social media and battling the fans? There is no, it's a, there's no way you're winning that battle. And there's no way you're coming away feeling good about yourself. No way. You ever. might say some of the greatest things ever and put that guy down to size, cut that guy. You are not going to come away feeling better about the situation when you are aware of how many people hate are you. pissed <laughs> off at you and hate you. God, I mean, stay off social media if you're if you're a player struggling, man. I never had any of it when I was playing, and that was because I knew if I read it, you know, I'd think about those comments. I mean, even in you know, I read the papers in '07. I had a good year for Seattle. Yeah. So I read the papers. You know, you have a good game. You read what they write about you. You're this rookie, I was seven and zero. You know, I'm, I'm, it kind of boosts you up, and 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 I I pulled from that to to have more confidence in a sense. Yeah. But when it all flipped in 08, and that's where I was going for my confidence, I remember I opened up some website, scrolled through the comments, and I just saw, I mean, I thought these people love me. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and all of a sudden, you're like, holy shit, they want me to die. You know? Yeah. And I, from that point forward, after the 08 season, I, and I know a lot of guys say it, Yeah, I never looked at that stuff again just because I was conscious of the effect it had on me. I remember thinking about a comment somebody made on the internet was on the mound oh, with God. the Mariners. And if you go there, it's over. Yeah. Like that's a wrap. You're getting shelled. And so I just, you know, I made a promise to myself I'd never read anything about myself again. And then when I was done playing, I was like, let me let me dig into this stuff and see yeah. how nasty it is. And with social media, man, they can tag you. The, oh yeah. If you have if you're an active athlete and you have social media, I mean, I think you're a psychopath. I don't I don't I think it's the worst move you can make. Because at man, some point you're gonna bite. Yeah. Unless you're LeBron James. Yeah. And you just have a handle on this and you yeah. and you have so much confidence and so much stature and yeah. so much gravitas. It works for a guy like that, you know? Yeah. It works. And you can promote all the things you've got going, your brand. Yeah. But if you're just a regular guy, just a good athlete who might have some rough patches coming up, I agree with you. There's nothing to be gained from it. If you're not gaining mm-hmm. from it financially or promoting something you want to do, or you or you're or promoting some charity thing you're involved with. There's no reason to get on there, man. Yeah. And, and I can, think that's what you see most guys do is they just they yeah. pit, they, they plug their stuff and then and, log off. And a lot of you them know, have somebody handle that for them. Yeah. Their wife, their assistant, their person, their yeah. agent, somebody. You start digging through the comments, man. It's, it's that's the problem. That's the thing is you can read the stuff written about you by the writers who cover the team. Come yeah. on now, do that, guys. But you don't have to read the comments. But even if you do read that. You know, I mean, you got to put stop yourself where it ends. Don't put yourself in those shoes. How often do you engage with the one guy that says the one thing you don't like when yeah. you write an article or something like that? Because I see you, you know, you torch people all the time. But oh, when the clubhouse you, is open, I, I go back. I don't I don't avoid anybody. Yeah. yeah but if, a big guy, you can't because they lose respect for you immediately. If you now some columnists will rip a guy, they won't yeah. show up again for a week, you know, yeah. and they won't go near that guy's locker. I'm not like that, man. As a big guy, you cannot be like that. Yeah. You've got to go to the, treat this guy the same way you did you did the day before. Say hi to him, all that kind of stuff. Even if you don't have a great relationship with a guy, you still say hi, you know, unless he's a yeah. guy that's really shown he doesn't want to say hi to you. But yeah. 
when you when you torch a guy, you just point out how bad they've been. You've got to the next day treat them the same way. If you don't, you can't do you can't do the B job and do it, and because you, you lose respect to the players. Yeah, but even you know even as a player, when there's when there's that buzz around you sucking, yeah, you know you can feel that energy from the media. People avoid and even you. even no, I mean even if they don't, even if they're wishing you weren't bad right now, you know sometimes you feel like. They're definitely enjoying myself. Yeah, yeah, you, you know, feel they, like they, that. I can you, understand that. You could feel like that, but even when they're not, when they're pulling for you, just people that know you suck right now. Yeah, and and treating you according to that versus just I just ate a sandwich. It's two o'clock. I'm trying to check out and get ready for the game. Yeah, when you have to engage that side of your brain, it's like a it's reinforcement that, oh yeah, I gave up that four spot yesterday. Hey, no matter what their energy is about it, it's just reinforcement of your struggles. I could say where when we're in the clubhouse too, we're standing over there, you you see that person is like the vessel that's t- telling everybody how bad I am. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and whether they're doing it fairly or not. Yeah. They're the they're the one telling everybody how bad I am. I'm also always conscious of this, and I and I and I see a lot of young writers do this, and 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 some others too, but especially young people, young guys who are young guys and, and women who aren't used to being in a clubhouse. I'm conscious of the fact when a team's going really poorly, or you're in the presence of a guy who's going really poorly. Don't be having I, a great day. Don't be smiling and laughing <laughs> in the clubhouse. You know what I mean? Team yeah. struggling, and you're just over there chatting. You know, and it might be really quiet too. But if you really start laughing up loud at all, where players notice it, oh my God, yeah. get away from me, dude! Do not do yeah. that in the clubhouse. But yeah, I'm just always conscious of even being with a group of guys when the team's not going well, yeah. and even smiling and laughing and, and, and just chuckling. Yeah, you can't do it. You got to be. This yeah. is their house. You yeah. got to be respectful, man, because they're looking at you yeah. like, "What the fuck are you having fun about?" You know, <laughs> yeah. especially if it's a guy you've been torching. He's sitting over yeah. there wallowing in this shit going, am I done? How long am yeah. I? And you're over there. <laughs> oh man, what a Share, day. Yeah. You're sharing man. a meme with Bowman and cracking up by him. <laughs> God, I had a hell of a day getting here today, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, man. I mean, it's, it's, it's an interesting thing, but that's, that really is a huge part of being a pro athlete and succeeding yeah. is dealing yeah. with all the distractions, all the relationships and everything, the dynamics, man. It's crazy. Yeah. People don't, people have no idea what all that goes on and all that from both sides, but yeah, guys, let's take a quick break and then we'll finish up the show. It's been a really encouraging week for Marcelo Zuna. You've been waiting for him. He's really started looking like himself. I thought with some opposite field drives, some home runs, he hit the grand slam, obviously. That was his third home run in seven days. So, and he only had one in the previous 23 games. So I know he had a lot of hits that he was hitting a lot of balls hard early that weren't getting that weren't getting no results. And now to see him getting some results, he's looked to me a lot like a lot closer to what he did last year. Not quite there yet, but a lot closer. And and I and I think that they, there's not the concern about him now. Yeah, it's getting it's getting a lot better, and you know, hopefully that that trickles into Freddie getting Freddy. more pitches to hit. Yeah. Um, for me, anytime Ozuna's going well, he's a threat the other way. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe three weeks ago in that first pitch slider that he chased and wound up hitting a homer. You know, I mean, anytime a guy hits an opposite field homer on a first pitch slider, yeah, you could take that to the house that he's starting to get locked in because you just don't do that when you're not right, but. You know, maybe three weeks ago he rolls over that pitch, but watching him first pitch slider grand slam the other way, 
I mean, that's that's what you saw him do all year yeah. last year was things like that. So he, he's definitely, for me, he's starting to turn the corner. And he made him pay the way that he did consistently last year, which he yeah. had not done this year. With Freddie yeah. struggling, Ozuna was not making him pay. I mean, they intentionally walked Freddie, the guy who's struggling as much as anybody on the team, to intentionally get to walked Freddie to load the bases. <laughs> I know to, to get a force out at any plate, but still, they walked him to load the bases and bring up the guy who led the league in home runs and RBIs last year. Yeah. So he did what you're supposed to do for a guy like that and make him pay, and he did. And he also said he didn't even swing the bat in his previous at-bat, five-pitch five strikeout, I think it was. He goes, I went up there this time going, all right, be ready to swing. Swing. Let's do this. Yeah. And like you said, he did. He he was ready. So uh, big. that was big encouraging. Um, big encouragement, what he's done the last week. Uh, Austin Riley, he's kind of kept going what he's been doing. I mean, he looks like a different hitter. And this year than uh, you know, or, or in the last couple of weeks than he did early on, he's he's really showing signs of why they've stuck with him. And I know people have, they would have given up on him. A lot of people would have given up on him long ago, but that's why you don't give up on a guy like this because the, there's so much potential there. And he's also a damn good third baseman. So if you got yeah. a guy that can hit 30, 35 home runs, and now he's showing he can also hit for average, and that he's not just a big up there swinging freely. Yeah, you don't give up on him, man. You you live with the struggles for a while while he's this young, and not just you know, not just two months. You got to live with it for a while. Yeah, I think that's you know that's that's part of young players, and and I, I talk about it a lot is learning how to you know shorten those slumps, those stretches where you're off. Because when he, I, I understand people getting frustrated with him, because when he's bad, he looks really bad. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's there's some bad swings, and and you don't when you watch him, you don't <laughs> think he's ever getting out of it. And yeah. it's it's just two different guys when he's locked in you're like man i don't even know how to pitch this guy um so i think that that's a big part of it with him is just how bad he looks when he's off but if he can find a way to get out of those slumps sooner you know that's that's what makes all stars and superstars and hall of famers is is like this is the first time you've ever seen freddie in this ever you know think about that how long he's played and been able to get out of these these ruts as quick as he normally does you know that's why it's shocking because He's so good at getting out of them. But Freddie can have some games where he looks pretty lost, and then the next day he goes three for four because he cleans it up quick. And that's yeah. that's the learning curve that that Austin will keep getting better at where when he has those terrible slumps, maybe it's three games instead of two weeks. And then you don't have people asking those questions about you. Ozzie Albies is the other guy that's been really encouraging the last couple of weeks uh, for the most part. He's had a couple of bad games, but for the most part he's really been hitting the ball uh, and from that side, it's especially encouraging, you know, because that's where that's where some people were worried about. So um, you get, in other words, if you look at those, if you look at those averages and OPSs, which for a while, I mean, a few <laughs> couple of weeks, three weeks into the season, yeah. where they had like five guys hitting below two hundred with OPSs under under five or six hundred. Yeah, that's all creeping up slowly. So you're getting some guys closer to the mid two hundreds. That's a big deal when you consider where they were. And the only glaring one, the one that you're still waiting for. And Acuna came back from his little thing after his abdominal thing. He didn't steal a base for a while. wasn't really driving a ball like he was. Now he looks normal again. And he stole yeah. two bases in the last couple of days. He's really running again. Full. Board. I wasn't sure if I liked that one that took the bat out of Freddie's hand, and then Ozuna hit a grand slam. Yeah, but yeah. you know, I mean, that just speaks yeah, exactly. to exactly picking your poison and and how important it is. Like when you look at this team and you look at where they're at, and Freddie and Ozuna haven't been hitting. Yeah. You know, when they get going, it's just going to be a different story. 
and now with Azuna hitting uh, at least a lot better, that the, the one you're waiting for obviously is Freddie. And and like you said, man, I'm just not used to this because I don't think I've ever. I'd have to go back and look, but I can't recall a slump of his, a significant slump, a severe slump, being more than two weeks. Right. And I remember the first time it went more than like a week. I thought you were shocked. Yeah, Freddie never slumps more than three or four games because that swing is so simple and short and yeah. direct. So now to see him slump for a month, five weeks is really. And he had the four when it, the game against the Cubs, where he had four hits in his first four plate appearances, and then struck yeah. out against Rizzo. That game, I thought, really, he is out of it now. This is Freddie. He's hitting the ball everywhere. He's driving. I mean, I thought he had snapped out of it. And then starting the next day, starting with that Rizzo strikeout, he's gone one for 25 with like nine strikeouts. And the only two walks were intentional. So that's just not – you don't see that from Freddie Freeman, man. No, no. I think he's pressing. For the first time, I think he really is pressing. He could be. You know, I mean, we talked about that last time, but he hasn't had to play for anything but the team in a long time. And, and I'm not going to say he's playing for himself now because he's got the pedigree and, and the history that it's not like he's going to be hunting for a job next year. Somebody's right. signing him if he hits all year like this. And, and But, you know, to the swing is pretty big. You know, the, the difference in what he could get if he has a good year versus a bad year. So, I mean, it's just a different kind of pressure that that he might not be used to. And, and maybe he's frustrated he's even in the position he's in and, and thought it'd be done by now. Yeah, you know, I mean, I'm kind of surprised that that he'd be put in this position, but yeah, I mean, he could be pressing for the first time, maybe ever. You're right. Oh, the swing is huge. If, yeah. if coming from what he would get from the Braves right now, what he deserves to get from the Braves, and what he would get if he struggled all year. I mean, God forbid, yeah. it, it ain't gonna happen. I don't know. But if he if he had struggled all year at the age at, at 32, he'd be age 32 season coming up. You get a one year five. You're not getting a huge deal. I mean, <laughs> you know? I don't know if it's one five, but you're not getting a huge deal because people will go. He's obviously on the downside. Well, in today's game, though, the the age thing is everybody's biggest fear. So, and you can have that one bad season, and all of a sudden they're like, "Well, now you're over the hill. You, so know, you might never al- come back." It seems almost unheard of that Freddie Freeman would even have those doubts, those doubts creep into his mind. But it's only natural if you it's haven't natural. got it done yet, and they haven't even approached you. Now, I haven't talked to him about it in a couple of weeks now. But if they haven't approached you and said, don't worry about it, it's going to get done, then you're starting to go, well, what? there's got to be a reason they haven't approached me, which they didn't do all winter and spring training, he said. There's, there's got to be, you know. So if you had those doubts even start to creep in your mind at that age when you just assume that they're going to give me a, a fair contract, you know, to, to, to so that I won't have to worry about this again and I'm, this is where I'm playing my whole career like Chipper did. Yeah. I could see where you'd start to press a little bit and go, all right. I got to put numbers I, now. I'll show you what I can do. You know, let's yeah. get this done. Man, I just didn't it should never human. come to this. It's just that I don't no, think, I, I, don't, I don't understand. Now, maybe it's going to come out after the, after we have some resolution to this and they'll come out, you know, or Alex will say, you know, on our record that, you know, the, the payroll changed and there was a concern about this or that. And they wanted to see what attendance was like after the open. There better be some kind of reason because I don't know yeah. why you'd put a guy like that through this and even allow him to struggle this long without saying, let's just get this contract thing done and get that off the table yeah. so we don't even have to worry about whether you're even thinking about that, you know? Just yeah. get the stupid thing done, man. You know? Yeah, I mean, I'm Quit in the same boat. around. I'm in the same boat. I don't understand yeah. it. A guy a guy of his caliber, you know, and, and he's done yes. everything, gone through the rebuild. He, he shouldn't be in this position, if you ask me, but – and I'm not blaming I mean, any one guy for it. I've, no, you don't know what's going on behind going the scenes. On, so I'm maybe, de- definitely not blaming Alex for this because something's got to be happening. Maybe his agent wanted 
crazy money. And, and you, you know, I mean, it's, it's just so hard to gauge what's going on. And, and both those guys are pretty quiet about it all. Right. And Freddie said they haven't approached him, but maybe his agent did say, you know, gave them the early parameters and said, this is what we'll be looking for. You know, who knows? I, I, and I hope the agent will tell me now, just so you know, that did not happen, but I don't want to blame anybody when it's, when it's uh when we don't know all the factors, but man, I'm just speculating. If there's you know. nothing, ha- no, no good, solid reason for this, then just get the thing done, man. So this can yeah. be on with this Freddie Freeman of all people. Yeah. Got to get done. But yeah. Man, I mean, I'm just, here, I'm just throwing stuff into the air. I don't know. Maybe yeah. he's, he's just off with a swing and he doesn't care at all right now. You and know, maybe I mean, changes it again. Maybe he has another four hit game tonight. And yeah. uh, after a day off, maybe that was, it didn't look like that was the thing that he wanted to do was sit for a day <laughs> expression on his, on the bench, but maybe that's good for him to take a day off reset and come out tonight and go, I'm Freddie freaking Freeman, man. Yeah. All right? well, even just a mental, just a mental break. You know, if you are pressing and, and, you just need a reset, you know, a day of just not thinking about yeah. it. And I'm guessing they told him he wasn't even pinch hitting yesterday. Yeah. Snit said, no, he's available to pinch hit. His big pinch hit might be the thing that turns him around. But I think inside Snit was going, I hope I don't have to use him as a pinch hitter. Yeah. I hope we have, you know, a multi-run lead the whole way. And, uh, you know, which they did till the, what, the ninth. So, but, uh, yeah, the, that that that's the one thing right now that if you get Freddie going with the other guys that are going now because you know Freddie and Acuna are obviously the, the, the straws that stir the drink. Ozuna had the huge year last year, but Freddie and Acuna are the guys, the superstars that you yeah. expect to do it every year, year in year out. So if you get both of those guys going and healthy, that could change the whole offense. I mean, well, and the yeah. offense really has shown some signs of uh, of snapping out of this now with Smiley going. If and you get Chris Martin back. We didn't even mention that. This thin bullpen that for, that, that uh, Snit's having to use guys way out of position. That could change a lot when you get Chris Martin back, which should be Monday. He pitched. He pitches again Saturday at Gwinnett. It'll be the second time there. His first one went really well, felt great. If he gets through the second one fine, healthy, I could see him giving a day off Sunday, and then I could see them activating him. for. Uh, they're off Monday, so I could see them activating him Tuesday for the second half of this uh, homestand. Well, and that's, that, that's, that's kind great. of the, that's the perspective that, you know, I mean, I just looked up the standings to see where they're at. Cause I, for me, standings don't matter at all right now. It's how the team's playing, but they've played for them, for their standard, for who they are. They've played pretty bad yeah. and, and they're a game and a half back. Yeah. They're and not they even firing swept, yet. And they just swept the team that was in first place uh, uh, four days ago. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, there's, there should be at no panic as far as on the road. As far as standings and division go, I mean, I know it, it, it can get frustrating watch a team not yeah. play up to who they are, but th- I mean, it, at some point it's going to click and, right. and they're going to go nine and one and all of a sudden start creating some distance. Yeah, that's that glass half full thing because you can look at this as this team's not showing any signs of being like last year's team. Uh, Freddie's struggling. You know, the bullpen's thin. Don, uh, the, the rotation, at least before yesterday, looked pretty bad. But the other side of that coin is, you know, Max Fried's not going to continue sucking. He came back and had a good start, yeah. real good start. We didn't even talk about that, how good that was. He looked like Max Fried. Yeah. A lot closer to last year. Not quite there yet. Didn't go that deep in the game, but he looked like Max Fried. So he yeah. made a huge adjustment during his downtime, obviously. We can talk about that because we didn't address that yet. And then Smiley worked with Cranny, works with some adjustments, especially on his fastball. And he came out yesterday. And he really had command of his fastball like he hadn't had yeah. in the early starts. And the curveball looked a lot better. After those first couple of innings yesterday, I thought the curveball looked really good. Yeah. 
So that's two of your rotation, the two guys you were, you know, that you were worried about. Charlie, like we said, has only had a bad inning, you know, in a couple of yeah. three of his starts. Ian's looking like himself again now. Soroka Enola. should be back in June or so. Huh? Enoa is And just... then we haven't even talked about Enoa. So which is the guy that you were not counting on this year, has been what you were counting on, say, from the best guy on your rotation. You know? Enoa yeah. has offset that. Like the setback with Soroa. Soroka. Look at it as Enoa is giving you what Soroka would have. So you that's can't a ask wash. much more than what Enoa's done. And so, so when the you other, hit that grand slam, I almost just stopped watching oh baseball forever. <laughs> so the other, so the other side of that coin is you could either look at it the way I was talking about, you could look at it as, or you can look at it as all this has gone wrong for the Braves. That's not going to continue. They and they're still right where they should be yeah. as far as it's a coin flip who's in first place in the division. It's almost like yeah. you're starting from zero again. And, and now got it out of the way. And you got all those bad slumps out of the way with guys you yeah. know are not going to struggle forever. Yeah. So, there could be one or two guys that just has a bad year, but you're right. not going to have seven guys that, that just suck and underperform for 162 that, that have, you know, long baseball cards. Yeah. You know. Freddie Freeman's not going to suck all year. And Max no. Freed's not going to have the year he had last year and then just suck this year. No. You know? So, uh, yeah. Then get to, let's, let's talk about Enoa, man. What he's done I, so I, far this year. I cannot recall, uh, I got nothing. <laughs> I, I haven't seen anything like this. The pitching is one thing. Even if he wasn't doing anything hitting, the pitching. He we talked about coming in the year how good he could be, the X factor, how good he was last year. We talked about in spring yeah. training when he wasn't really considered the leading candidate for that fifth spot, but he had a couple of great starts in spring training where you're like, tons of strikeouts. Remember against the Red Sox in his first mm-hmm. start in spring. We're like, man, people overlook this guy, but he's the one that throws harder than all the other fifth starter candidates. He's got that wipeout slider, and 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 Snit talked about how comfortable he was with the slider, the feel for it he had that young pitchers just don't have. So he's done all that as a pitcher. He's kept that going this year and gone deeper, deeper into games. And then he's hit like <laughs> Shohei Otani. Everybody celebrated Otani. <laughs> Noah is doing this, and it doesn't look fluky. I know he's not going to hit like this all year, but he's got not one home run, you know, or not you know. This guy he's hit a grand a homer slam. to dead center. He's hit two homers, <laughs> and he hit a grand slam, and knew it was out. There was he knew nothing, it. yeah, to center doubles. And what he's doing at the, with the at the plate, he grew up a position player. He's worked hard on his hitting, and he says that. Uh, he struggled in spring training because he hadn't hit for a while and he just wasn't ready when he went because Snip was talking about how he was missing soft, he was whiffing on soft toss pitches in spring training. <laughs> but right now, what he's doing at the plate, those swings that he takes, man, wow, he is fun to watch. I saw his first swing that batty hit the grand slam. I saw his first swing, and it was obvious he's trying to go deep. Yeah. And, you know, just to be a pitcher trying to go deep is kind of hilarious in the first place. The, the ball was up and away out of the zone. He's, yeah. He's got one thing in his mind, and every all the hitters in today's game get criticized for trying to hit home runs. You know, it goes up there trying to do it, and he gets a fastball yeah. the next pitch. And I didn't know if he got it or not uh, off the bat because he's a pitcher, yeah. and it's four twenty six <laughs> to dead center is what he hit it. Yeah, he's a pitcher, and you're like, all right, well, you know, maybe a sack fly or something like that. And then he's standing there, and I just said, holy shit, he oh, yeah. got that. He knows it too. You know, I mean, it's just, you don't see, I, I have nothing to, 
I couldn't even talk about it. You know, I didn't have any insight on that. That's just stupid. Yeah, I mean, he looked like I know. I know Mad Bombs had some at bats like that, and uh, Hampton. You know, Hampton was a hell of a hitter. Yeah. Um, but and Mad Bum gets up there, and he's got some pretty good swings. But none of them got a swing quite like Enoa. He looks like a free swing and power hitter up there, man. <laughs> I mean, this guy's got 13 plate appearances. He's five for 13 with a double, two homers, six RBIs. He's hitting 385 with a 923 slugging percentage. A starting pitcher who's 23 years old. I don't want to talk about it as if he could keep doing it. Because you're going to assume it's fluky <laughs> right. anytime, and they're going to start right. pitching him tougher. And he's going to go 0 for 10 with nice strikeouts in his next. Yeah, starts. come back down to earth. But just what if? <laughs> what, what if? What if? What if he can just rake? What if he's a 270 big league hitter and you he's got him started for you? It's not 23, by the way. It's his age 23 season because he's going to turn 23. He's still he's 22, 22 right now. Yeah, that battery the other night was 22 and 22. How crazy is that? And your That's center true. fielder is 22. Up the middle, you were all 22. It's a young team. There's a lot of young guys on the team. And old man, old man uh, Acuna. Yeah. Is he 24 now? No, 23. no. 23. He's 23. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's pretty. You've got a really young team, but you got some experienced guys that are young, and then you got some young guys that are just doing things that you're just like, what? <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, like we've said before, if, if, you know, it was a first rounder or or came over in a trade for Kimbrell or, or, or oh some, my God. some. Oh, my God. If he was would, Kyle Wright, if he was the first rounder they took from Vanderbilt and he was doing what he's doing right now. He'd be on everything. I mean, he's on it now. He got enough attention because of the grand slam yeah. and it was the second home run. But can you imagine him doing what he's doing now as a pitcher and a hitter? If he had been a first round draft pick out of Vanderbilt or wherever. No. Holy shit, man. And he's yeah. 22 years old. Yeah. And he's a good kid, too. He's modest. He's humble. But he's got flair. You know? You could be both. and that's He plays both. with confidence, for sure. He plays with confidence. But yeah. afterwards, he doesn't act like an asshole and go, oh, yeah, I knew that was gone. He's not yeah. like that. So he's kind of the best of both worlds. He pimps it a little bit. But then afterwards, he's like, I don't go up there trying to hit home runs. I'm just trying to get on base and let the real hitters do damage. He was trying to hit home runs. And let the real hitters do damage. <laughs> I'm like, come on, man. That, you knew that. You're up there swinging. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, he's a good kid. And he's a big, strong dude. He's like 6'3, 230 pounds, man. And he's, he's Is put he really? together. 225. He's put together. You know, listed at 6'2 or 6'3. And he's like uh, 230, but he's think he's trimmed down a little bit. But he's got no fat on him. He's put to, he's built. He's in there in his under in his uh, Under Armour, you know, undershirt tight shirt afterwards. Yeah. He's put together. Yeah. 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 In a good way. He's not like, yeah. you know, with big No, he's born with it probably. that you don't want a pitcher to have. Like Kevin yeah. Brown got that when he went after he went out to the Dodge. He's not like that. When Kevin Brown ruined the perfect pitcher's body. Yeah. When he got all jacked and he started breaking down. No. You know, it just uh he's got the body for it, as Snit says. And appropriate in this case, he's what they look like. Yeah, that's a good quote. <laughs> Snit, that's what Snit says about the guys that are put together. He's, he's what, what they, they look like. He's what they look like <laughs> <laughs> when you draw them up, when you drop the young player. Yeah. Like, like Bryce that. Ball. Like Bryce Ball. He's what they look like. <laughs> Bryce Ball is what the legendary power hitter looks like. <laughs> Where do like you see that. that guy? I don't know if you've gotten to see him on. Uh, I've just seen some highlights. 
Yeah. But I'm, I'm, the, I'm the opposite. You know, I, I mean, I hear all this stuff about guys coming up and I'm always just kind of, you know, yeah. whatever. Right. We'll see when they get to the big leagues. Right. You know, because that's the big test. Right. And, and but Bryce Ball's got a great body in that he's not, uh, he doesn't look like a power lifter. He's just a naturally huge guy. Huge. Yeah. He's like 6'6 six, six, and like 240, 250. But kind of like that Moeller kid. Uh, Bryce Ball, though, does not look like he's been doing powerlifting and squats. He's just put together. He's built like a uh, yeah. like one of those NFL tight ends that just has that body that you're just like, good Lord, he's blessed. He could have done any sport that he wanted to. You know, some of those NFL tight ends that are yeah. like 6'4", 6'5", 250, but not like freakishly big. They can still run like a like crazy, like a wide receiver. Yeah, That's the way Bryce Ball's built. So we'll see. He's got a long way to go, but he's he's got the body. You draw it up. That's like, so frustrating, man, when you see those guys walk yeah. in at like 2 p.m. with a bag of McDonald's and a six-pack yeah. abs, and you're sitting there eating your kale salad and all this stuff yeah. you're supposed to be doing, trying to get in better shape, and it's just different <laughs> genetics. Especially when their first five, five to ten years of their career when the metabolism is just through the roof. Yeah. Because you remember like in college, but that, before my metabolism slowed, you could, you know, I wasn't an athlete like that, but I could eat, you know, whatever I wanted. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you wonder, wait a minute. I gained 15 pounds this year. <laughs> yeah, what happened? But these guys, these high-performing athletes with the metabolism and then the workout routine and everything. Moving every day. Then are, then are blessed with that body. Oh, yeah. So, That's how Hayward was. I remember the yes. <laughs> the Braves yes. told Hayward they wanted him to put on some muscle one, one offseason. And it, trust me, man, I, I worked my ass off in the offseason. Sometimes I come in like four extra pounds of muscle. Yeah. They told Hayward they wanted him to put on uh, muscle, so he hit the gym. He came in at 255 with like 5% body fat. amazing. I remember seeing him when he came in. I'm like, it, holy shit, because he was a specimen before that. He was 220 and shredded. Yes. You know, like long V-shaped body. Those shoulders big, broad like shoulders, no body fat on him. The they told him to put on shoulders. muscle, and he just packed on, I think, 30 pounds of pure muscle in one offseason. <laughs> I was like, I, you're just you're different than me, man. There's no way I could do that without steroids. He's got those James Conn shoulders. Yeah. Google James Conn, you'll see what I'm talking about. Just like that. I mean, look like yep. you could hang a, a coat on him. On you know, yep. and then the V, like the Andre Dawson V. Jason had that with that 31 inch waist, maybe 32 at most. I don't zero percent body fat, but I, I think about you know like Giancarlo Stanton's built like that naturally. But yeah. then he kind of enhances it. it. You see his offseason work. Like, he gets in the gym and gets yeah. after it, and he's always hurt. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, there's something about the guys. There's a fine line. Their, there's a fine line of just playing with your natural body, the way everything's able to move when you're yourself, or you yeah. enhance it and, and put on all this muscle. Some guys just can't move. But the guys that are born with it, you know, they get the best of both worlds. They get to walk around looking good and feels good when they move, too. And, you know, back in the day – those guys didn't have the the uh, they didn't have the availability of all the temptation. The, yeah, exactly. So you didn't have the temptation to go in and go. Oh, I'm already this big. Let's see how much bigger I can get. You know, Barry Bonds yeah. had a great body with Pittsburgh. You know, yeah. he had a great baseball body. You know, perfect body to be a 40 40 guy. But I'm thinking of a guy like Mickey Mantle. You know. If he didn't drink himself to death, you know, if he didn't drink, end his career and get hurt with a knee and all that, who knows yep. what he could have done for 20 years. But a guy like that, just blessed body, grew up country yep. strong, bailing hay out in Oklahoma, you know, small town, country strong guy. But there were so many, like Willie McCovey, guys like that, you know, uh, Richie Allen. You look at those ba those bodies. 
they weren't tempted to get in by all the supplements they have now and to get in with the high-tech workouts in the offseason. So they didn't take that body beyond maybe what it should have been to be this perfectly uh, uh, functioning baseball body. And look at the things Mickey Mantle could do. Uh, or Joe D. You know, you look at him yeah. now and you'd think he had skinny arms. You know, they'd say, get in the weight room, get bigger. Yeah. Look what Joe D. did with that body. Or Ted Williams. Look at Ted Williams' body. Yep. Long, you know. But th- nowadays, he would have been tempted. They would have had him put on 30 pounds of muscle probably, you know? Yeah. And There's a the fluidity that, to those guys. The other side of that, too, is is the body maintenance. You know, like the, the physical training staffs. If Mickey Mantle would have had the training staff yep. that these guys have now and been able to get his hips right and everything functioning properly. Yeah. And not to mention, you know, nobody back then knew how bad it was for you to be smoking heaters and drinking 20 beers every night. Yeah. I mean, the, the, what, people want to compare past generations and talk about why everybody's throwing harder now and all this right. stuff. And it's everything available to them, uh, even if it's not hitting the weight room and getting bigger. Yeah. They're still Just functioning. Being smart. The, the 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 functional stuff that that the trainers have guys do you know glute activation and opening up your hips and keeping your flexibility there's a key for every single player that can unlock another you know say 50 50 feet on a home run or yeah. five miles an hour on a fastball and every single player has access to this so when you want to look back and say so and so or babe ruth can't hit in today's game or this and that it's like that's not a conversation because right. it was a completely different world like these guys were beating the shit out of themselves off the field and and still able to do what they do and the guys now are are eating perfect diets getting all their sleep they're not drinking you know i mean it's it's just a different world so if you think about what Mickey Mantle or somebody could do today yeah you can't even compare it yeah i like your point about the injury too because Mickey and like Joe D they had the kind of injuries that today they would have fixed they would have fixed and they would have had them on, yep. on a rehab and they would have known you need to not play for this. Those guys played through injuries and they just got worse and worse and they played when they became chronic injuries that they just played with, you know? Until it was over. Until it was over. They played yeah. with a bad knee the whole way, you know? Andre Dawson, couldn't even walk. <laughs> Andre Dawson had the, uh, had an ACL uh, uh, in, in high school where they opened up the knee to see what the problem was. You know, that's what they did back then. He had major yeah. reconstructive knee surgery. Then he played his whole career with a bad knee. Imagine today's with today's medical, what some of those guys could have done. Like Hank Aaron ever avoided have major, major injuries. And look what he did for year yeah. after year after year for two decades. You it's know? such a big part of the puzzle. And he wasn't a guy that lived really hard either off the field like Mickey Mantle did. So yeah. a guy like Mickey Mantle, who knows what he could have done for 20 years if he'd lived, you know, a, a, a clean life, relatively clean life and just ate right and all that stuff. So he, it's he would have hit 800 home runs. It's, it, it might, it damn game. sure might have. Yeah. And Ted Williams take out three years in the prime of his career while he's over there being the greatest war uh, uh, fighter pilot in the world, you know, take out, yeah. he took out three years in the middle of his prime. Yeah. So, so what some of these guys could have done. Yeah. You, you just never know. It's a shame. We don't know, but, uh, working but jobs in the off season, <laughs> you know? but there's a fine line between that Overdoing and going it. too far with it and yeah. getting so ripped that your body can't, doesn't move like it did. The fluidity's yeah. not there and you overtax the tendons and ligaments and they start breaking yeah. down, you know, whether it's through steroids or just working out too hard and getting too big and eating the right stuff and getting too big. I said it probably 15. Well, I was 2010. I was telling guys like the new steroids is taking care of yourself. Yeah. Be- because my first, my first five years in the game, especially when I was with the Mariners, the whole team would pack into the sauna and be drinking beers after the game. 
I mean, so you're dehydrating yourself more. You're already dehydrated, yep. and then you're slamming. Yep. Your sleep quality is bad. I mean, I was a little ahead of the curve in 2010. I started. My wife just started cooking. You know, no sugar, all these right. healthy food, and it was easy for me because she just did it. So I ate it. But I came into camp the next year, and I was, I think, seven percent body fat. And all the coaches were freaking out, like I was going to break. Yeah, they're like, "You're too frail," and I was like, "You don't understand. I'm eating all day. It's just right. all clean food." And I felt amazing. I'd power shag for 45 minutes. I wouldn't even get tired running. I wouldn't get tired, and I gained two or three miles an hour on my fastball that year and had an amazing season. And everybody was starts asking me questions. You know, what are you doing? I was like, "I don't eat this. I don't eat that. I don't. I don't drink much. You know, just taking really good care of myself." And the whole time I was doing that, I was just looking at other guys in the clubhouse like, (laughs) what if Jay Hay gets on this routine? You know, and I wasn't lifting really heavy. I was just I was recovering. Right. You know, and now when you look around the game, everybody's doing that. Every single player is taking care of themselves. And and that's why it's that's why you see guys throwing ninety nine and hitting monster home runs because guys are just functioning better now. But that wasn't an option and it wasn't the lifestyle back then. If you could find the the, the perfect uh, equation, if you could find a way to have, you were talking about the guys powering down the beer, sitting in the hot tub after the games. If you could take the the good part of that, which is the unbelievable camaraderie yeah. it builds and the wisdom you gain listening to these veterans talk about things. Yeah, without you beating yourself up. Find another outlet for that. Because yeah. I hate going into a clubhouse now, and I've heard Chipper say the same thing. I hate going into a clubhouse and seeing – 25 guys literally staring Not at the phones, yep. looking at the phones, playing either playing games on their phones or texting people on the phones, laughing, t- but not talking to each other and not or talking about the through game social media or not talking about the game. When I came in, if you, if you looked at your phone in the clubhouse, it was a fine. Yeah. You came, you got to the field, you put your, you put your phone up on top of your locker. Yep. If you need to make a phone call now, texting and social media and all the internet wasn't on the phones back then, right. so there wasn't really that drive to do right. it anyway. There's nothing on the phones, right? But it was a fine, and everything was together. It was like we're running together, we're doing all this together. Um, I think you know, last year, I think the guys I talked to that that are big camaraderie guys, they said COVID really made that hard to hang out off the field. Oh, and absolutely, that. yeah. And it's um, doing, it did this year too. They had a lot of the same restrictions this year early. But even then, you know, if you if you went out and had been. <laughs> tied one on with with your boys that that night before and it, you really do you build a lot of camaraderie and you and you care about each other in a different way than yeah just being co-workers you know and i don't know how you really fix that because there's so many distractions now but you could definitely you know i mean that's that's the biggest part of the puzzle the, all the comebacks you saw that the braves make in the last few years the way they mm-hmm. picked each other up those are those are really big things, and it's it's 25 times harder to build that now than it was back then. And you could have the phone rule back then because a lot of teams would not even allow you, you to have your phone on in the clubhouse. No, it wasn't out. allowed. Yeah. You could have them put it in a box in a room You know, when they came in if you wanted to. You could enforce that back then when they weren't texting and everything. It's hard to do now because guys have grown up with it, and they don't even know what to do if they can't get a text. <laughs> what if my wife texts me that, you know, she, you know, that something's happening or whatever? So it's like it would be hard to enforce that, but – God, My wife he, used to have to call the stadium if there was an emergency. You uh, had to call. You had to that, call the clubhouse. Call the clubhouse and have them go get you. But man, yeah. if they could just get the phones, so if you could have the guys turn them off and say, "Don't." If you need a text in an emergency, do it. But otherwise, I just I, I so many It'd be guys impossible staring today. at their phones. Everybody, just, yeah. they're growing up with them. Yeah, you know, well, it's the same if you go to a restaurant. You know, you see two people eating dinner together, and they're just 
yeah, once in a while they'll share, yeah. they'll share the picture they're looking <laughs> at with their partner. But I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's everywhere. You know, you can't expect it not to be in the baseball clubhouse when it's all over the, the world. You have players now in their early twenties, they've their whole, since they've known what they're doing, they've been on their phone texting. Since they, they, were were, they, don't even, they wouldn't even know what to do without it. Yeah, people have like anxiety, you know, it's phone separation syndrome or something like that. But you I've take seen their phone that, away. But I've seen that whole thing just completely change in the time yeah. I've covered the game because you used to walk in the clubhouse and you might have a guy doing a crossword puzzle or there are guys were playing cards. They were yeah. always playing cards. Yep. You never see that, anybody playing cards now. That builds camaraderie too. You know, it's good, staring man. at your phone doesn't. At least having a pool table in the clubhouse. I think that's good because guys yeah. are, are interacting, you know, yeah. they're not looking at their phones. They're looking at talking to each other, joking. I like that. And, and clubhouses are big enough now that you can put a pool table in the middle of both of them. You used not to be able to do that. There's so many were so small, but like the Braves at old Turner field had the putting green that the big three pitchers had them put in a putting green. And that was yeah. great for them. Those guys had unbelievable yeah. camaraderie because they played yeah. golf together every day too. You know, I, yeah. they, went out, you know, they did all kinds of things like that, but uh, and you've talked about how you know Chipper took the whole team to dinner and the camaraderie you guys had, you know, in 2010. So I hope they can still they can get they they get that back after these COVID restrictions are off and guys can go back out again to dinner and everything at night and go to a bar or whatever. But uh, man, you see a different side of your teammates too. You know, yeah. I mean, so the guys are feeling a lot of pressure at the field. They have a couple of drinks and and you're all eating steak together. Then that's when you get to know your teammates or on the plane, you know, yeah. and you really, it's, it's hard to build it at the field because everybody's kind of got their program they're doing. Fascinating. We could talk about this shit forever, but so anyway, yeah. uh, big, big homestand for the Braves. They got the Phillies in town and uh, Phillies are in first place. Now they just swept the, the team that was in first. Now they get a shot at the other team that's in first. They could do the same thing with the Phillies. They're, you sweep them, then you're in first. Do you yep. know what the Mets do? do but uh, the the Braves are in a good spot right now. They can make all the negativity that there was for the first four or five weeks. They can make it go away with back to back good series, or even just a good homestand in these six games at home. So, a lot of a lot of reasons to be encouraged. And I still feel Freddie is only one or two games away from snapping out of this because I I still have too much confidence in how great. Freddie is as a hitter to believe that this is going to go on much longer. I just can't imagine it doing it. Even with all the pressures he might be feeling, I can't see him continuing to struggle much longer. Not with that swing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's shocking how long it's gone on, but he's, he's been as, as good as he's been for so long for a reason. And I don't think, you know, I haven't seen any sign to believe he's hurt either. It's just, no. you know, he got hit in the elbow. Yeah. But he had four hits the next day. I don't think it's yeah. that, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't, he's not showing any signs. When he struck, man, we had that bad month in September. Uh, he didn't look ago. right. Didn't look right at all. It was wincing. Yeah. It, it was it was shortening his swing. You know, did couldn't yeah. extend. Couldn't extend. Yeah. I haven't seen that. So, no, he just looks off. He doesn't look hurt. And right, you know, that's baseball. Right, <laughs> the best right. players can suck. And right now, if you uh, if you gave out the MVP, Acuna would win it. Yeah, he was, he was player of the month in in uh, in April, and I don't even think it was really that close. So I, I, I think uh, he's 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 well on his way. We're only one-fifth of the way, but, man, what a start he's had. Yeah. What a player. <laughs> he's hitting fastballs off the plate. What a player. He's hitting home runs on pitches three inches outside. Hey, how about that? By the way, how about Contreras? How about that hit he had, that huge hit before the Grand yeah. Slam? Yeah. He set up the Grand Slam, then Pache drew a walk. But that hit he had that was maybe 10 inches off the ground, outside. Yeah. That kid, he's got some strength, man. Yeah, Contreras. I don't. I don't think hitting is going to be an issue for him. I mean, from what we've seen so far, Azuna said he thinks he's going to be he can be better than his brother. 
His brother's pretty damn good, all-star. No, his brother rakes. He hit, he hit a few balls off the Braves that were impressive. Yeah. That's it. That's 755 is real. It's a wrap. And we will be back uh, on Monday. Thank you, guys. We appreciate it. We out. <laughs>